0: Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians, the third chapter. Haven't been able to get no traction. Might not get any tonight either. Amen. Verse 15 says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Rule. Let's dominate. Control. Control. Amen. Something you're supposed to let it do. Uh, Calvinist, he can't let nothing do nothing because he's forced. Amen. Uh, I'm glad I got got a privilege and a liberty in the Spirit of God. And there's a bunch of things that I'm supposed to do. Like, let not sin have what? Dominion. Dominion. That means I'm not to allow it to control me and dominate me and rule my life. That's something I'm supposed to do. Let not. Right? Amen. There's a bunch of things I'm not to let and there's a bunch of things I'm supposed to let. Amen? Verse, Chapter 4, verse 6. Let what? Your speech always be with grace. See, it's my responsibility. Well, I can't control my tongue. We understand that, James chapter number 3. And it's attached to your heart. I understand that. Well, you're responsible for what's in your heart. Amen. You're responsible for what you put in your heart. You're responsible for what you listen to and what you think about. So it'll affect the way you talk. Let the peace of God, verse 15, amen, rule. That's to govern. Amen. What's governing you? Amen. What's governing you? What's got a hold of you? What controls you? Does the peace of God dominate? The peace of God is to dominate. Dominate. You know what that means? It means like we were teaching on on preaching on the blood the other day, talking about the blood of Christ purging your conscience. What? From dead works that you might serve the living God. The blood of Christ did something with your conscience, with your brain, with your heart, so you can turn around and have your mind towards God and your faith towards God, and then you can direct your actions toward God by the works that you do for God. You don't work to get saved, but because you're saved, right, we're created what? On two good works in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you're also called in one body, be you thankful. There you go. We're affecting the heart again. Everything's dealing with the heart. We've done put on the new man. Right? Vows of mercy, humbles of the mind, kindness, meekness, longsuffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. Right? Above all, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. We're putting all the right ingredients in our heart. So, if we're putting all the right ingredients in there and it's cooked at the right temperature, we should have a good meal. Daily. You have a daily devotional. You spend time in the Word. You spend time in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You're confessed up. You you commit your sins one at a time. You confess one at a time. We're dealing with that about the blood. Then you ought to be able to walk in peace. Right? And you have a thankful heart. Verse 16. Let the Word of Christ. Isn't that something? It didn't say let the Word of God. Said the word of Christ. God's letting you know that Christ has deity. It's His word. Amen. He is the word. John 1 1, right? 1 John 5 7. There are three to bear record in heaven the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost. You understand? It's the word. Jesus is the word. And you're to allow His words to do what in your life? Dwell in you how? Richly. Richly. What's richly mean? A lot. A lot? What else? Abundantly. I mean, a rich person, somebody's got more than, amen, more than they need. Right? Dwell in you what? Richly. Right? That's dealing with the abundance. Right? Hello? Did I lose you all on that? Mm -mm. Abundant. A rich man has more than he needs. So what you need to do is you need to have an abundant supply of what? The Word of God in your life, in your heart. Spending time in that book, with that book. It's going to determine the success of your Christian life is your relationship to this book. The reason why people struggle and have such a bad Christian life is they don't have a relationship with the book. And if the book is in them richly, abundantly, more than what you would think you would need... Listen. There, there, Phil Kid preached a message years ago touring Sardis Baptist Church, and he so, he showed a soul winner ha- sitting under the, the 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 track rack, sitting there on an IV, gasping for breath, <laughs> hooked up to oxygen. That's the picture of the average Christian when it comes to the Word of God. They're on a life support machine. They're got they got they're in a hospital. They got beepers and wires and everything. <laughs> amen they're barely getting any any drop a drop of the word of god barely coming into their life people want to know what's wrong with their life they don't sit under preaching long enough to get anything they don't get in the book to get anything and what they do get is at the best stale bread moldy bread they're not getting nothing good they they don't get they're getting spiritual junk food and uh Brother Nick just made a quote about quality. Listen, rich. Did you ever eat some chocolate? Yeah. That, I mean, you bite in there and go, mm, wow, that's rich. I mean, it's loaded, it's packed, it's sweet. I mean, your, your taste buds are going, whoo! <laughs> Somebody put something into that thing, it'll give you a punch. Well, that's what the Word of God's supposed to do. I mean, it's supposed to be so. Sometimes you can't you can't take a whole lot in one bite. But there's some powerful stuff in the book, and you know you've gotten hold of something. You know you got into something, and the Word of God's doing something to you. Let the Word of God what dwell. What's that mean? First John chapter three. The Bible says we're to compare spiritual things to spiritual, right? You begin to compare Scripture. The Bible, a lot of times, will tell you what it says if you read the context and write it in the passage there to tell you what it's meaning. Right? 1 John chapter number 3, verse 24. He that keepeth the commandments, what? Dwelleth in him, and he in him. Hereby we know that he, what? Abideth. Abideth in us by the spirit which you've given us to dwell is to abide it's your abode yeah, amen it's a place that you just don't visit for a minute or two It's a basically it's a place you frequent and spend a lot of time in First Peter 3 7 says husbands dwell with your wives according to what knowledge, knowledge. that means spend some time with her get to know her amen just don't live in the same house Most families, they sit there at the table, wife's reading her, uh, whatever you call this thing, her little emails and texts and messages and all that. Used to be newspapers and magazines, now it's text and everything else, right? And then the husband's doing his old thing right there, and then they're they're both living apart. They don't talk, they don't communicate, they don't fellowship, they don't know how each other's days are going. They exist in the same place, but they don't dwell with one another. There's a difference. Listen, you can occupy a house together and not dwell with one another. Amen. Amen. There's some men that buy in the corner of a housetop. <laughs> right? It's better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than in a wide house with a brawling woman. <laughs> That's one of the uh, few verses Bill Clinton believes. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? <laughs> Instead of white house, it's white house. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Amen. And uh, well, I don't blame them there, amen. <laughs> but we're we're to we're to we're to abide. We're to dwell. Let's go to John, John chapter number fifteen. John chapter number fifteen. Let the word of Christ dwell. Let it abide. Let it let it take rest in your bosom. You understand? Let that thing saturate your soul. Spend some time in it. Right. Look at what he says in uh, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is a husband. And every branch that beareth not fruit is taken away. And every branch, amen, that beareth fruit, he purges it. So he's going to cut you. He's going to cut you back. That it may bring forth what? More fruit. More fruit. Now you're clean how? through the word? Through the word which I have spoken. There's an importance of preaching right there. Titus chapter 1 verse 2 says, He manifests His Word through preaching. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. There's an importance of hearing the preached book. Amen? Verse 4, Abide where? In church. It's in me. It's in Him. He wants you to rest in Him. And I in you. As a branch beareth not fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, and ye are the branches. And he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do what? So why do people attempt to do things for God without? Because they're looking for an outward show. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withered, and men gather them and cast them into fire, and they are burned. Watch verse seven. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall be my disciples. Uh, an active part of being his disciple is your relationship with Jesus Christ and his words. Amen. And it'll affect your prayer life. See, proof. What's John 8.31 say? What's 8.32 say? Let's go ahead and look there. John 8. Disciple shows up three times in the book of John. John 8.31 Then Jesus said to those Jews which what? Believed on them. if condition, if you what continue. continue in my word, comma then that's a time period. Then are you my disciples indeed? How you how do you become a disciple? Continuing in his word. Continuing his word. If you don't continue in the book, you're not a disciple. You're just a mere professor. Maybe not even a possessor. <laughs> you understand? He said, if you continue. See, it's conditional. Upon you, continue. And it doesn't say how long. It said then. So there's a period of time God expects you to get in the book, stay in the book, continue in the book, then Mm. you're constituted and called a disciple. Now watch this. Semicolon. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall what? Make you free. free. A lot of people think that... that, uh, Uh, freedom in Christ comes instantaneously. He said, ye shall know the truth. And the truth shall what? Make Make you free. God wants you to spend time in that book. And as you spend time in that book, and you begin to understand that book, and you get to learn about you, and you get to learn about Him, and then He begins to show you things you shouldn't do. Then He begins to show you things you should do. And then when you appropriate them in your life, freedom comes. It's based on your relationship to the book. It's not based upon just clicking your fingers and it automatically happens. Right? Alright, let me show you another another place on that. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. See, we have a problem with people today in their relationship towards the Word. They're looking for abracadabra, al-gazam. They're looking for God to set them free of all their problems and troubles. And then they don't learn the lessons of life. They don't learn how hard it is to get out of debt or hard it is to get over their problems and their hurdles and how to fix problems and wrongs. This book will teach you how to fix those things if you'll take the time to spend time in it and then God will instruct you and you'll learn valuable lessons along the way. The process is just as important as the outcome. People want the results they want the outcome but they they want to neglect the process. What our government's trying to do and everybody's trying to do is one stop shop. You get everything you need instantaneously. Right? They're waiting for a preacher to pull a rabbit out of the hat. Saw my marriage. Okay, there it is. It's solved. Hello? Right? I got a bad kid. Click your fingers. Click your heel. Okay, he's done. Solved. Listen, that don't, don't work that way. Life ain't solved by clicking your fingers. Now, Jesus solved a bunch of people's problems. Amen? By the touch of his hand and by the spoken word. Right? But he gave them some admonition on the way. Oh, yeah. Go and send no... More. More, lest the worst thing come upon you. Mm-hmm. He's saying, "Hey, boy, you better learn from your mistakes. You better learn from your lessons. You got some lessons you better learn, because I might not come back and be there next time to solve your problem." Right? Second Timothy, chapter number two, verse twenty-four. And the servant of the Lord must not what strive, strive but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, instruct in meekness, instructing those at what oppose themselves you know what that's what the ministry is right there you know how many people come into the pews and they're opposing themselves you say what do you mean for example you get up out of a chair okay you sit in a dining dining room table and you get up and you pull the chair out and then you get to go up to clean up the table and you stumble over the chair you pulled out you're opposing yourself you're getting up but you didn't push the chair back in amen you weren't paying attention and you trip over the chair A lot of people do things a lot of times and they double and they triple and they quadruple their work. They make things harder. They don't use their head. They break things. They knock things over because they're impatient. They're irrational. They're fast and not paying attention to what they're doing. They make mistakes. They make messes. Why? Because they're not paying attention. A lot of people don't pay attention. A lot of people don't read the instructions. One of the most humbling tests I ever had in school was the teacher on the thing, it said, Please read the instructions before you start the test. Yeah. <laughs> Putting all the answers down, get to the end. Do not mark on your test paper, hand it in to the teacher. <laughs> well, you look kind of stupid when you answer 50 questions. You're spending all your time. You didn't read the test, you didn't read instructions, and now you got all this ink and pencil all over the piece of paper, and you weren't supposed to put a mark on it. The whole lesson was teach you to read. Pay attention to what you're reading. A lot of people don't do that because they oppose themselves. Right? That's what, that's what the whole theme of the Three Stooges was about, right? They oppose themselves. Mm-hmm. Amen. This is going on in churches. People get frustrated and blame the preacher. They don't know how to get out of their own way. Husbands and wives are fighting each other. The kids are fighting the parents. Parents are fighting the kids. Their lives are wrecked. The husband's going out to make money and the wife's buying stuff and racking up credit cards as fast as you can do it. Vice versa. Wife's trying to save money and the husband's blowing it on things. You understand? You, can, you Listen, that's what it's all about. Quit opposing yourselves. Now they're going to sit down they're going to receive instruction, right? In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves if God perventure will give them repentance to what? Acknowledging of the truth. You know what it takes? It don't take. It takes a whole lot when you enter into counseling in the, in, the, in the pastor's office. And a couple comes in there and they sit down. Now they want to receive instruction. And so the preacher's got to have a good attitude because he sees the problems that they're doing and, the, and how they're messing up. And they come in there, but the whole bottom line is the light's got to come on. If they don't see it, they'll never. it don't matter how much you spend time in there. It don't matter how much preaching is over here. It don't, know how, it don't matter how much we're reading if we don't acknowledge the truth. Right. God's got to turn the light on. Did you ever hear somebody say, it clicked? Man, I got it. Listen, it's got to click. I can't, I'm not the clicker. <laughs> All I can do is present the truth in meekness. But the Lord's got the Holy Ghost. God's got to be able to be there to give somebody something in their heart to what? Repent. Peradventure God will grant repentance or repentance. Peradventure will give them repentance, acknowledging the truth. Watch this, and that they may recover what themselves of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Listen, people get caught up and hung up in snares. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to instruct them and show them how they themselves are to get themselves out of the mess that they're in. You're not going to do it for me. You're not going to bail me out. Bailing you out ain't going to help you because you're going to get right back in the mess. So what God says, is, I want you to learn from the circumstance and situation you're in if you're really honest and be repentant of this thing. I'll teach you how to get out of the mess so you don't get back in there. People don't want that. But see, that's what happens when the Word of Christ dwells in you richly and you begin to learn and you spend time in that book. Then you'll be his disciples. Then you can make yourself free. People don't want to make themselves free. They want somebody else. They want to blame everybody else. Let's go to Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8. Keys to success. God's got the success all written out in his book. People's looking for an easy way out. You know, salvation's a quick fix. You get saved in an instant. Right? God deals with you. He breaks your heart. You turn to him. You receive his son. Boom, it's done. Now, it may take forever to save your life. Amen? Not everything you've done, or we're doing, and everything falls right off instantly, you get saved. There's some people get a lot knocked off. Some people struggle with certain things. And you know what? God knows that individual may need that adversity in his life. So you can't compare your salvation and how, how you begin to walk and run compared to somebody else that don't walk and run. Right. You take an uncharactered man to get saved, and you take a well-charactered man to get saved, they're going to have two different outcomes in their salvation. One's got no character, and he's a mess. It's going to take him a long time to get some things straightened out. This guy's already got character. He can go off like a rocket and, and shoot and get a lot of things and get a lot of things done. Why? Because he's got a lot of character. I and mean, then he's just got to be careful he don't get in the flesh. This guy, he's he's got a whole lot he's got to take care of. Amen? Some of you can go b- move into a brand new house. Got very little to do, right? Sometimes you go you go buy a house that somebody's lived in, and you got to go in, you got to change all the carpet. You got to fix the holes in the walls. You got to paint. You got to fix light fixtures, bathroom fixtures, stop leaks, fix light sockets. There's a whole lot of things you got to do when you move into some houses. They're fixer uppers. And they, but some others you buy a brand new house, everything's ready to go. Well, salvation ain't always everything's ready to go. There's a lot of times God's got a lot of fixer upper work to do. <laughs> Verse 8, this book. He's talking about the book of the law. This book of the law. But you can apply that to the whole Word of God. This book of the law shall not depart out of the mouth. That means you ought to always be what with it? Huh? Speaking. is Speaking, coming out of your mouth. Does the Word of God ever come out of your mouth? Do you ever talk about what you read? Right? Do you ever talk about what you read? Do you ever talk the Bible? You should. You should be willing to take what you learn and share it with somebody. Tell somebody about it. Talk about the book. He says, This book of the law shall not depart out of their mouth, but thou shalt what? Meditate. meditate. That's spend time in, think about, ponder. Amen. Dwell in it, abide in it. Let that book dwell in there. Meditate. You know what Buddy Blunkoff said meditate was? He said, No cow, go out there and eat grass and then he'd go lay under a tree and then belch it up and then sit there and chew <laughs> and then he'd belch it up he said that's meditate you eat the word of god then you sit around and you chew on it and just just spend time on it you understand think about what you read there's a lot of people oh, i got to get my three chapters in they don't know what they read yeah they're thinking about the football game they're thinking about the shopping they're thinking about going to work but they never read a thing. You know what I find? You know how, you know how to help your thoughts with that? Go back over to those three chapters you just read. Say, that, Lord, I didn't get none out of this. I just wasted my time. Help me to slow down and pay attention to what's going on here. And go back over it. That teacher of flesh. Say, now we can do this once and go through my chapters. Or we can do it three times a night. You decide, flesh. But I'm going to get something out of this. I'm going to get my brain in gear. And I'm going to ask you to guide my thoughts, God, because this is your book. And I need some. I need you to speak to me. Lead me. Guide me. Direct me. Right? This book of the law shall not depart of thy mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein every once in a while. Once a week. Once a month. Once a year. You know how many Christians leave their Bibles in the pew and never touch them again until next week? And they're only Sunday morning people? Yeah. You know how many people leave their Bibles in the car and never read them, never pick them up? Yeah. Amen. Thou meditate when? Day and night. That means you're thinking about it all day long. Look at what it says. That thou mayest observe what? To do. God says when you're in this book and you're studying my book, the thing you need to do is you need to meditate on it day and night, but that you may observe to do. I'm expecting you to incorporate what you're reading into your life. Application. Now let's go back in our thoughts, back to Colossians chapter number 3. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you what? Richly in all wisdom. You know what that is? Applying the facts. Taking what you've learned and apply it. Do you understand? Wisdom teaches you what's right and to do right so when you see areas that you lack you see things that you need you begin to say man I'm not doing that then apply it well I shouldn't shouldn't be doing that right then quit it it's application look at what it says meditate day and night thou mayest observe to do according to what some all that's written therein for what then time element see there that means you get in the book you begin to spend time in that book and as you spend time in that book God begins to spend time with you and God begins to open that book up to you to show you for then thou shalt make thy way what? Yeah. You want the victory? God's going to teach you how to be able to you yourself can get the victory. Well, how can I do that? First steps process of elimination. There's things you got to get out of your way to be successful. Right? Hello. If you ladies want to cook a successful meal, you gotta make sure you got a lot of the dishes cleaned up and out of your way, don't you? Right? If you got the dishes from last night in there when you go down to do the start tonight's meal, <laughs> we're probably not gonna have a good meal. We're probably going out to eat. <laughs> Hello. You understand? You gotta make sure the place is cleaned up. Eliminate. You gotta eliminate the the pitfalls, the stumbling blocks. Amen. You got all the hindrances. Listen, you begin to get in this book, it'll teach you. People's not a success at a Christian because they got too many things tripping them up and knocking them over and hindering them and holding them back. And if they don't come to church, they think they got all these other things to do. And they don't come to church to learn ways to get successful so they can be free. Here's a lady that goes around with finances, begins to deal with people with their finances and help them. They say, Well, I can't save no money. Well, let's sit down and let's look at where you're spending. Let's do one thing. What's that? Why don't you receipt every dime and penny you spend? Every time you spend a quarter in a machine, write it down. Every time you buy something, write it down. By the time you start writing down every expenditure you make, when you get done at the end of the month, you go, man, I just blew 80 bucks. You turn around. Listen, she helped one lady. Her mom died without insurance. And she's helping her. She says, you want to be in the same boat as your mama was for your daughter, your little tiny girl? She said, no, I don't want to do that. She said, well, you need to get some life insurance. Well, I can't afford it. Okay, let's sit down. Let's go down through here. She goes, how much do you spend on Pepsi-Cola's a month? The girl found out she could pay for life insurance if she'd take the money she spent on Pepsi-Cola and bought life insurance policy and quit drinking Pepsis. You say, why? Because making sure that little girl had a future was more important than drinking a Pepsi. Yeah. Listen, when we go through, listen, Brother Eastep's got a message called bringing home the bread. He said, people want to give the missions, but we can't, preacher. He said, I'll teach you how you can cut your budget back to where you can give the missions. People really don't want to find out where, where they're, because they love doing what they're doing. You understand what I'm saying? There's all kinds of ways to cut back. And he gives people tips and helps on how to people to cut back. Listen, you got to learn where you're messing up so you can help start turning that thing around. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, then thou shalt have what? Good success. My soul, this, the success is coming from the book. We spend time in this book. God's going to talk to us. We'll become a disciple when we begin to continue in the book and put to practice what we're reading. Amen. Somebody said, well, man, you practice something that's in the Old Old Testament. It ought to be in the new. Yeah, you're right. And you know what? I might be grabbing some Old Testament promises and I might be getting some things out of the Old Testament and I might not completely know how to rightly divide. But if I stay in that book, I'm going to learn how to rightly divide and if I sit under the preaching long enough I learned that maybe I was practicing something an Old Testament practice but now it's got light on it from the New Testament and so I'll just slowly wean myself over that practice and put it incorporated into a New Testament practice and if it doesn't contradict Paul I'm set real good Yeah. <laughs> Joshua 1 8 doesn't contradict Paul in fact what I'm seeing is I'm seeing is complimenting Paul yeah. alright let's go to Psalms 1 Psalm chapter number 1 So what are you talking about? I'm talking about letting the word of Christ dwell in me richly, abundantly. Amen. Quality and quantity. Verse 1, blessed. You want to be blessed? I want to be blessed. Anybody here don't want to be blessed? Anybody here want to be cursed? Seeing how nobody wants to be blessed. Blessed is the man. That walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. According to what I just told you in Joshua 1, 1, 1.8, what's that telling you? Process of what? Elimination. Elimination. You eliminate what? The wrong counsel. Right? Nor standeth the way of sinners. Get away with who you're standing around with, who you're listening to. Nor sitteth in the seat of scornful, where you're sitting. God's saying, hey, you got to change where you sit, where you stand, where you walk. You want to be a blessed man? Change the way you're living, the company that you're keeping, the places that you're going. That's success. That's how it begins. That's what Proverbs is all about. Son, don't go to her house. Her house is the way to hell. Many strong men have been destroyed by her, son. Right? Eliminate. Verse 2, but his what? His bummer. The average, I gotta read my Bible today, man. Preacher said I gotta read it. What's he know? Hello? Delight. You know what delight deals with, son? What's that say? Delight. What's that deal with? It deals with attitude. Let me ask you a question What's your attitude when you approach the book? If you come expecting, asking God to give you something, maybe he'd give you something. Yep. If you come as it's just a bummer and it's a chore, hey, i got to read it because i got to read it. That's what I'm supposed to do. Oh, what a drudgery and a bummer. You ain't going to get nothing out of it. But if you got a delight and say, God, this is your book, this is your word, this is going to help me and reinforce me and help me, strengthen me to be a success that I can please you because you created me to please you and I want to please you. So God, please give me the things that I need to be the right man so I can be the right husband, the right father, the right employee, the right citizen. Lord, i got all kinds of duties and occupations in my life. And God, I want to be a success in every bit of it because I want to honor you. I'm your child, wearing your name. God, please open up the book. God, to teach me. Amen. Amen. It's my attitude. What's my attitude when I approach the book? By del- but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Second witness. And he shall be like a tree stuck out in the middle of the desert. No, he should be like a tree planted by the by the river of waters. That bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he do shall prosper. You know how to get. You know what that means. Those roots are deep, and they're getting fed, well fed. They're getting saturated. Well, if I got the, wa- the water, of the word, and then I got the Holy Ghost, which is springing up in me like a well. Yeah. Right. He spoke about that. He talks about living water springing up in me. Right? It's an everlasting fountain. It's water. And if I'm planted where the water's at, and where the water's bubbling and churning and moving, then I shouldn't have to worry about ever having my leaf wither. And I ought to be able to be fruitful because I'm getting a fresh drink no matter how dry it is. Amen? Amen? Listen, that water... The Bible talks about a tree blooming... Through the scent of water. <laughs> I appreciate that. Verse four speaks loud, doesn't it? The ungodly or what? Not so. not so. You know what? An ungodly person's not gonna spend their time daily in the book. Their delight's not gonna be in the book. They're not gonna meditate day and night in that book, so they won't be like a tree planted by rivers of water. They'll be just a shriveled up old little bush. And ain't got nothing. Ain't get nothing. Dry and cracker juice. Amen. Look at what it says. But are like who? The chaff. You ever read that about the chaff before? The chaff in Matthew chapter number three, verse twelve. The ungodly are like the what? Chaff. chaff. The wind driveth away. Yeah, they're gonna be they're gonna be burning in hell. That's the ungodly. Amen. Let me go to Psalm seventy three. Psalm 73. We're talking about who in, last in the passage there. Who is the chaff? The ungodly. the ungodly. We're talking about the ungodly. Can I give you a lesson about the ungodly? Who's ungodly? Christ died for who? The ungodly. Who is that? The well, it's all sinners and everybody, but specifically in the Scriptures, who's the ungodly? Them girls dancing on tables down there? The Let's look at what he says in verse... Uh, <laughs> Look at verse 10. Therefore, his people return hither. Waters of full cup are rung out to them. And they say, how doth God know? Right? And is there knowledge in the most high? Behold, these are the ungodly. Who? Prosper. Who prosper where? In the world, in the world they increase what? In you know what? These people are out there making money. And they're out there considered a worldly success. And therefore, the ungodly are not so. They're not in the book daily. They're not really successful then, are they? They're out there too busy making money. And they're making a success in the world, but they're not a success according to God's eyes because they're they're setting a trap for their feet to send into hell. Yep. Read Psalm 49 and find out where the dead go. Sure. Rich in their death, they die, and they got names for streets and their lands, and they die without God. And the Bible said, all the money you're making, you by no means can redeem thy brother. Yep. Listen, the devil will get you to put the emphasis on the wrong success. Worldly success will damn you, it won't prosper you, it won't make you happy. But the man that spends time in the book, he's the blessed man. And he's the man that has delight. And when he approaches onto the book, God said, Whatsoever I do it shall prosper. And man is looking not for prosperity, amen, uh, that has anything to do with money. I'd rather be a success as a dad and a success as a pastor and a success as a soul winner and have success in my praying and fellowship with God than I ever would be a worldly success. Psalm 19. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Let's apply the facts that we're learning. Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable where? Yes. In thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. See, we need to be flooded with the scriptures. The passage is dealing with the scriptures. Psalm 19, 7, right? The law of the Lord is perfect, verse soul. Every bit of it thinks about his words. Verse 10. Moreover, uh, verse 10. More. To be desired there than gold, yeah, they must find gold sweeter than the honey and the honeycomb. Amen. It's talking about his words. That's what it is. And we're to meditate on those books. And when we meditate upon that and spend time chewing it, I think that'll be acceptable in the site, don't you? Amen. Psalm hundred and nineteen. Psalm hundred and nineteen. I got a lot of verses <laughs> marked in Psalm 119. I got one Bible that's just totally unbelievable. When I taught through it, that was an amazing chapter to teach through. Verse 97: Oh how I what! Oh how love I thy law! Exclamation point! It is my meditation all the day. Isn't that a blessing? <laughs> he said, oh, how love I thy law. Right? Exclamation point. Boy, he's putting emphasis on that. Hey, man, I like it. Verse 98. Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than my enemies. Boy, there you go. For they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. Well, you want to get some old men upset? Just tell them, spend time in that book, and you'll know more than they do. 103, how sweet are thy words to my taste? Exclamation point. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate what? Every false way. How do you how do you how do you feel about every false way? Do you hate it? Wisdom to know what's right and how to do right understanding knowing how the thing will turn out It's pretty good knowing how that thing will turn out. Let's go back to, uh, I'm sorry. Let's look at one more Isaiah twenty 26 Isaiah 26 Talk about letting the peace of God dwell rule your heart right And then we're talking about let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Isaiah 26 verse 3. Thou wilt keep him how? Perfect peace. Complete peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth where? In thee. thee. See, you keep your mind stayed on God. What's stayed mean? Fixed. Right? You tell a dog to do what? stay don't move stay stay put right hello you know what we need to do we need to stay our mind where hey mind on him think about him don't move just think about him all day set your mind on him think about him think about his book meditate his book chew on his book think about his book right you know what he said he'd do keep your mind stayed on him he'd keep you in perfect peace Let's go back to Colossians chapter 3. We'll be done. I want, to, I want his word to abide, to dwell, to stay. Verse 16: Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, fully, completely, powerfully, abundantly, <laughs> quality. <laughs> however, you want. I mean, richly means it's pretty potent. Right? In all wisdom, and then look what he says, teaching and admonishing one another in what? Psalms. Hymns, spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts. We'll cover that next week. Amen. Let's talk about your heart. Look at verse 15. Let the peace of God what? Rule. In your heart. Then here he says, Spiritual songs, singing with grace, where? In your hearts. God wants this thing to affect your heart. With the heart, man believeth on the righteousness. God wants our hearts. He said in Proverbs 23, Son, give me thine heart. He's interested in our heart. A lot of people go through the motions serve God with their head. They don't serve Him with their heart. Amen. And this ought to affect our hearts. Right. And I tell you, when a man's right with God and a woman's right with God, she'll sing. And you know what Roloff said? People said, hey, I... You can't sing. He says, you're right. He said, well, at least I got a song. Amen. He said, God gave me a song. And the sign of somebody that's right with God, they'll, they'll want to sing to the Lord. And they don't care how it sounds to them. They're, they're worshiping him. Right? Did you ever ride around in your car? Oh, how I love Jesus. How I love Jesus so. How I love Jesus Because He first loved me Right? Ain't that good? Yeah Man, you're sitting I'm glad you guys said my singing was good, man (laughs) Amen Drew, you guys right into that one but I'm telling you I'd sing and sing and worship and then I get to making up songs I get a tune in my head and then I start adding words and making it up and just singing to them and the angels are probably going up there like this right and Jesus and God's loving it because I'm worshiping him, singing, making up songs. I wish I could write them down I just can't when I make it up I, I can't do it and I sure don't want to tape recorder and listen to it <laughs> amen. <laughs> But you know, I mean, it's, my heart's affected. Amen? My eye affected my heart. And when I read the Word of God, it's going to affect my heart. When I read that book, it's going to affect my heart. And then it'll produce a song. Right. Amen. And it'll give me peace. Mm-hmm. Well, I just that's where I want to be. I don't ever want to be removed from that. Amen? Amen. Brother Nick, you pray for us, please.